Got it. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sober Gratitudes. My name is Sarah, and I'm the creator and host of this podcast. Whether you are a first-time listener or you've come back for more, welcome. I'm so grateful you decided to join us today. I'm really excited to have a guest with me today. It's been a while. So I have to like dust off the, the interviewer cobwebs and and I couldn't have thought of a better person to have for my first interview this year. My friend, my sister in sobriety, who I met over the social media waves, who does almost exactly what I do, but on YouTube. And she has nearly almost 12 years of sobriety. And her show is called on, on YouTube is called Laura's World. I was honored to be her guest this past Thanksgiving. And today the tables are turned as we have her sit in our guest chair. So welcome to Sober Gratitudes, Lori. I'm so grateful you're here today. How are you? I am good. Thanks for having me. This is so exciting. So exciting. It's a little different being on the other side, isn't it? It is. <laughs> How often have you been on the other side? Uh, let's see. I think uh, one with Chris, one with Anthony, and I think two. That's it, two. But I am going to be on another one this this week. Um, uh, Soberosa with Dora. Oh yes, I, uh, yes. So yeah, this is my this is my third one, Sarah. That's exciting. I, 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 it is exciting. It is exciting. I I really love to talk um, about recovery, obviously, um, but I like when I'm listening to somebody else. <laughs> it's a little nerve wracking being on the other uh, on the other end, but I, I love it. I do. I really do love it. So I do too. Oh yeah, and 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 it's so great because we can edit right? Yeah. <laughs> we can edit things out okay, <laughs> if we have to. <laughs> All right. I'm a, okay. Yeah. So I, I'm really excited to talk to you about your story, but um, we did talk about a couple of things before we started recording mm -hmm. and you were sharing about how you're coming up on 12 years of sobriety. Mm -hmm. I thought you had over 12 years. And so, so what we started to talk about and I said, wait, let's save it for the, the interview is how we we feel when we're approaching an anniversary or as some people say a birthday like a sober birthday mm -hmm. so tell me tell us about what's going on with you right now as you're approaching 12 years i'm approaching 12 years february 16th 2010 that is my official sobriety date um i kind of flirted with sobriety or i was sober curious maybe um a few years prior to that um but February 16, 2010 is the day that I surrendered. I surrendered. Um, I put up that white flag. I, I, I couldn't do it anymore. But for some reason, it's so, it's so funny because every month in, in the 12 step rooms, uh, you get a, you get a chip for your, for, for, for your, for your good work that you put in. So the 30 day chip and the 60 day chip and 90 days and four months and on and on. And I looked so forward to them, but I was white knuckling it every month 
for the first eight months because I wasn't doing any work other than not drinking. And that's all I was doing. Um, so when I got my one year, I said to myself, oh my God, I've got to wait a whole year for another one. <laughs> I did not know the significance of it, obviously, Sarah. <laughs> I did not. It was the little pat on, on the back that I, that I, that I needed, apparently, um, that congratulations, way to go. And that is where my whole thing of, you know, people pleasing and people liking me, I wasn't doing it for anything else other than people saying, congratulations, you got six months, congratulations, you got one year. Um, until I started really doing the work and putting the work in. And um, every year now that when I'm coming up on the anniversary, and it's usually in the month of January because my, my, my super date's in February, I start getting a little nervous. I'm not sure why. I am not sure why I get, it's this excitement. It's, oh my God, another sober year. And then the day comes and I'm super excited. And then the day ends and then it's like, that's it. <laughs> I don't know what I'm expecting to happen. Fireworks, what? I don't know. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's just another day. And it's, it's, right. it's every day in sobriety is, awesome mm -hmm. but for some reason that little date gets me a little swirly for whatever that, reason yeah but that little date is not a little date it's a big date. I know. it's the date you surrendered and yeah. and um yeah. just a quick i won't take up too much time talking but i can identify with the way you're feeling because for um you know this august will be 10 years for me without picking up and awesome. Each August, I would feel nervous. I'd a little edgy, a little irritable, yes. even like yes. a little snippy. Yes. Like, yes. and um, every year, I'm like, it, I was so confused. I'm like, why am I feeling this way? And I realized this was just my own realization is that I was actually like going back. It's like, like anniversaries are huge, right? I don't have to say, like, that's no big surprise to anyone, especially one like this. But I would think about, what was going on the last month before I surrendered. And it was a shit show, like in my head, you oh, know? Goodness. And so it's kind of like, I don't know if it's like, you know, your, your subconscious is remembering how you were like Maybe. getting to that place. And, Maybe. and it was a scary time. I know for me, my, like when I went in and surrendered, I was relieved but scared shitless at the same time yeah. so that's just kind yeah, of maybe what maybe. i that's how i experience it for myself but i think it's different for everyone so yeah i don't know but yeah i'm excited i'm yeah. excited every day, day to be sober honest to yes. god i and i never would say that and people look at me like i'm i'm freaking weird like oh my god girl give it a rest <laughs> but the way the way i lived my life before um i was always negative, um, always waiting for the other shoe to drop, really self-sabotaging myself um, constantly. I never thought of anything as being good. Nothing was ever good or good enough. It was all right. <laughs> and today, um, I don't know, those promises have come true for me, honest to, honest to God, I, even though, even the bad days, even the bad days are not 
are not bad. They're mm-hmm. not bad. Mm-hmm. I could see the good in everything. And um, I sound a little corny and I know my, my family laughs at me all the time and they, they, but I think I, I know that they rather have me like this than the other way around. Right. Right. <laughs> I show uh, up for things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I'd rather be like this than anything. And it's hard for me to picture you being anything but what I, how I experience you, which is so calm and peaceful and joyful at meetings. Like you're just very positive and, and you're always rooting for the newcomer and just thinking of, you know, in your service work and then doing your YouTube channel is incredible. I mean, you have almost 3000 followers and like, oh, like you always have like well over a thousand people watching every single interview and the interviews are just so amazing and so inspiring. And I'm just, I'm honored to be a part of a part of that show. And, and what's really cool, what's really interesting. And this is another thing I wanted to talk about was that you, you didn't start drinking until you were 33. So tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, I, not that I didn't have a drink here or there, but I just, I, I just didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I didn't like the taste of it. I didn't like the way it made me feel. Um, and I did have a really bad, uh, experience with liquor, uh, when I was like 14 years old. Um, I had, I was sleeping over a girlfriend's house and her parents were going out and we were going to try to drink. And so we snuck some blackberry brandy and put it like in this mean Easter And we were going to, you know, we were going to have a party at 14, whatever that meant, you know, and um, her parents ended up coming home early and my girlfriend was flipping out. Oh my God. Oh my God. We got to hide this. I took the, the mayonnaise jar full of blackberry brandy and I downed it. I just chugged it to get rid of it. And I blacked out. I, I woke up to her crying slapping my face to wake up it puke everywhere and oh my god we're gonna get in so much trouble (laughs) and that was my first experience with liquor so uh, with alcohol so I was like oh no thank you and that stuck with me for a very very long time so if I as an adult drank it would be maybe a glass of champagne um but I didn't I didn't I didn't like it I didn't like it at all so, and it wasn't yeah. something it, you didn't, you didn't think about drinking. Nope. Never, never, ever, ever. Um, what so what I happened? A, yeah. So I'm so I curious. Is, yeah. So what I did as a kid, like, cause I had, when I first came into the rooms, like I, I actually didn't think I qualified as an alcoholic mm. because everybody would talk about stories of being 10, 11, 12. And I'm like, right. Oh my God, right. I'm only I was 45 when I came into the rooms and I had only like started drinking at 33. So I did, it wasn't a very long stint and I'm like, maybe I don't belong here. (laughs) Maybe I don't belong here. But what I, I, I've been to therapy and, and, and all that kind of stuff, which I highly recommend. Um, But as a child, I did not feel like I fit in. Um, I had all the same feelings as everyone else does. So when I listen to somebody's story, I'm like, wow, what I did was to escape was I made up stories. I was a storyteller. 
I told stories to anybody that would listen. I said that, you know, uh, um, I was telling this to Chris. Um, I was, I loved, uh, oh my God, it was, um, oh my, Donny Osmond. Um, that's how old I am. <laughs> Johnny Osmond. I would go around telling everybody that Donny Osmond landed his plane in my backyard and that he was at my house. Like, like crazy, crazy stories um, for people to like me girls would come over and say oh oh my god I want to meet him like I was you know 10 11 years old like the just crazy I would I would escape into um fairy tales Hmm. I loved fairy tales I loved them because they were just not my life and my parents hardworking there was no abuse um there was there was um there was five of us in the family my my dad was a hard-working man he was rough very rough he he wanted boys so bad and he got all girls so he was really hard on us <laughs> old old-fashioned Italian guy um but other than like how oh my I had a good childhood I had a roof over my head food on the table and um, I just never felt like I was enough ever if I said to my father that I got straight A's because I was good good in school, he would say, whippy fucking dude, you want a medal? Like, it was just expected of you to do these certain things. And I don't know if it was because I was the oldest and I felt I had this perception of that I needed to, to uh, be the leader and take care of all my siblings. I, I, I really honestly do not know what the, what, what the, what the problem was. In high school, I tried um, smoking pot, but I didn't like the way it made me feel more tired and more depressed. So I was like, (laughs) so I didn't like that either. I didn't like that either. Um, I got married very young. Uh, I met my, my, the father of my children when I was 15 years old, he was like right off the boat Italian. And so girls don't go out they don't have friends. They don't go to bars. They don't, you, I got married at 20 years old and I stayed home and I cooked and I cleaned and that's what I did. Um, I was so depressed constantly, just constantly. And I actually felt like I married my dad and I was like, wow, what kind of life is this? And I just did not know what to do about it. And I did, um, I got, I was very, very depressed and I did try to, uh, take my own life twice. And, um, somebody introduced me to cocaine and the first time I did cocaine, oh my God, I felt alive. I felt very alive. And that was at maybe around uh, 32 years old and by a f- very short period of time um, I asked my husband for a divorce because I, because, because I was able to talk <laughs> and blame him for everything you never let me do this and you never let me do that and I never went out with my girlfriends they were all going to discos I was home with two little kids and um, I went crazy Sarah 
absolutely crazy. I went to my first bar and um, drinking and smoking and boys. Oh my God, the boys. <laughs> I, I don't even remember some of their names. That's how just, I went insane, insane. And so drinking became a big part of my life because I soon realized that, you know, I can regulate the high. <laughs> if I got too high, I could come down and so yeah, for two years, I did non-stop drinking, drugging, and, and being with a lot of different guys looking for something, love, myself, God. I don't, I don't know what I was looking for. Um, but and you yeah. have depression, you, oh. you had depression, so you self-medicating oh. perhaps. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and every time I, I came to, I would be like, oh my God, what did I do? And I would get even more, more depressed. Mm -hmm. And what do I do about this now? Oh my God, now I got another problem. And I was spending yeah. a lot of money on drugs and um, I was working uh, a whole bunch of jobs to support my habit. And I'm a single mom now, raising two, two children and what... When I think about it now, what I put these kids through, my God, you, I, I thought that I was hiding it so well from them. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Not at all. Not at all. I was, I was there, but I wasn't there for them when they really, really needed me. And um, I have uh, in the last 12 years worked very hard on that. And I've got great relationships with both of them. And they're both in their late thirties now, but uh, yeah. <sighs> Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it, uh, yeah. So I didn't start until much later. And so what did you, during that time, <clears throat> did you think about, oh, I might have a problem or was it like, what, what was the progression? I thought like? that the problem, I thought the problem was the cocaine. Okay. Problem was the cocaine. It was, it was, it was taking its toll on me. It was taking its toll on my bank accounts. What was it doing? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was all the cocaine's fault. Um, and I met my second husband and I, it was like love at first sight. And he was just, you know, oh my God, he, we got married like within a year. He asked me to stop doing the cocaine. He said, you know, you could do whatever you want. You're your own person. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But I was in a relationship with somebody that was doing a lot of coke and it just didn't turn out well. And if that's going to be the case, we can't be together. He said, but, you know, it's your, it's, it, he didn't say it's me or that, but this was before we got married. And I was like, no, no, because I knew I had a problem with the coke. <laughs> and so I was like, this was a great excuse to stop. So I'll just stop. And I did. But guess what? The drinking went insane. Insane. I couldn't get enough. But he drank. He loved to drink. Um, we went out all the time. Um, his family drank 
a lot, you know, I can't say that any, you know, I would not never say that any of them had a problem, but you know, they were, they were hard partiers. We'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was like, Whoa, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So no one ever said anything about my drinking and it just, it, the progression, the progression I drank when I was happy. I drank when I was sad. I just drank period. And I just, I just refined myself to the fact that, okay, this is my life. I, I was working um, in my career. I used to buy and sell uh, oil contracts on the New York Mercantile Exchange. So I was making a lot of money. I was in an, in an all-male industry. So I could keep up with these guys drinking. I'd go to trucking companies and, you know, or party or, you know, go down to to uh, Atlantic City for, you know, some kind of a conference. And I could drink, I could drink anybody under the table. I could drink anybody under the table. And I was proud of that, like an Mm -hmm. asshole. I was so proud of that. Mm -hmm. But it started to be, um, I would black out more and more. And so I wasn't remembering certain things. So now I'm trying to, if I'm at a conference now, I'm not going to drink in front of anybody anymore because I don't know what it's going to do. Sometimes I could have one martini and it would do absolutely nothing. Or sometimes I could have one and it would put me in an instant blackout. And Mm. so when I didn't know what was happening, I, I waited until the conference was over and would go to my room and drink myself to sleep. And get up in the, in the next day and say, oh, I have a stomach ache or all oh, this or all oh, that. And um, it was getting really, really out of control. And um, I knew I had to do something. I knew I had to do something. And um, my brother had gone in and out of rehab a couple of times, but he lived out in California. So I didn't see him on a daily basis. And when I, so when I, in and out, I was seeing what was happening with him and I'm like, oh, it didn't work. So, okay. <laughs> so, <clears throat> and uh, he had come home one Christmas and he was after coming out of another rehab and he was so bad, so bad. And I was trying to keep keep up with him and I couldn't keep up with him. And I'm like, all right, I don't have a problem, but he really does. <laughs> I'm not as bad as he is. So I'm okay. How crazy. How crazy. Oh, yeah. That's what we you do we though, right? Ourselves out of it. Yeah, I did that. I used to, I would watch um, Intervention, the show Intervention. <laughs> yes. And while I was still I drinking. Yeah. And I would say, I'm, oh, I don't have a problem because they're really bad. Wow. Wow. They're really bad. And then after I got sober, I watched that show just one more, once again, it's hard for me to watch it now because I, I'm like, wow, I I can, I cry. Yeah. I I get very emotional. And and the first time I watched it after I got sober, I'm like, wow, I can really identify with them. Like our stories are different, but yeah, like that. You know that allergy the obsession that, that you yeah. know kicks in and that we've lost all control and that's what it was like for me too and i was just so so dumbfounded i i, I didn't understand why i did that but then obviously i learned about it you yeah. know my disease afterwards but your perspective like we do we like our minds do 
but I did that for so long. Like I tried to always compare myself to other people. Like, well, I, I'm not like them because this or, and, yeah. but then that goes so long. Like you either end up dying or you wave that white flag. So how yeah. did you get to that place of waving the flag? Well, what, did I, I happen actually, or? you know, I actually tried to stop. Um, my brother had actually had one year of sobriety and he asked me to come out to California to celebrate and being the big sister and his biggest cheerleader. I just love my brother so much. Um, we're 12 years apart, but I, of course I'm going to go now. I'm wondering why he's not inviting anybody else, but I was like, I just felt special. <laughs> so, um, I went to my first AA meeting to watch him get a cake mm -hmm. and I, in this, it was an eight in Los Angeles, California. And there was about 150 to 200 men, gay men in this, in this room and I was listening, I was drunk, but I, I, I was listening. There was this moment of clarity where somebody had said something and I think my head flipped around like, oh my God, what, what did he just say? Because people were sharing. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. Like I was identifying with what they were saying. But Sarah, being the sick, sick person that I am I actually thought for a moment maybe I was a gay man trapped in a woman's body <laughs> I shit you not what? I shit you not <laughs> you don't want to know anything about the alcoholism girl I, <laughs> a gay man. I love gay men too I'm like oh that, that's it oh my god girl I swear but you know, he planted that seed for me. He never said, I think you need this. He never said, why don't you give this a try? He never, never, ever. But I was watching him grow and be happy. And he wasn't so depressed anymore. And he was getting great jobs coming his way. And so I decided to try to do it on my own. I was seeing a counselor. And I stopped drinking for like, I don't know, six, eight weeks, something. I was lying to the counselor the whole time. I didn't want to think that I was this messed up, broken person. So I lied half the time. I just, I want people to like me, Sarah. I don't mm -hmm. want to know that I was a hot mess, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I was not drinking. And I did this for a few months and um, my brother's friend, um, Frankie, who's also in recovery, invited me out to Las Vegas because he knows that I love um, this particular, um, I'm just going to say entertainer. Mm -hmm. So he does his hair. And so he asked me to go out to the show and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. So I went to the celebrity show. Sober. I, we were invited to an after party after show party, whatever. And I was in the company of entertainers, other celebrities who was drink, who was dr drinks were flowing, pop, Coke, you name it, it was there. And I didn't touch any of it, nothing, nothing. And I was like, see, I'm not an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. I'm good. I'm so good. <laughs> like I was so proud of myself. Mm -hmm. And I went home and I drank. 
because I figured I'd had, I had it figured out. I'll just give my, my, you know, my, my mind and my, my stomach and my liver a little break. And I've done it before and I could do it again. And it just got worse. It just got worse. Um, but January 8th, 2010, my son, Nicholas, who was 23 at the time, um, walked into my office at work and I was scheduled to go to a, uh, counseling session, marriage counseling, surprise, surprise. My my second marriage is falling apart. Um, and, uh, I'm on the phone with a client and I've got this in my head that I've got to go to, you know, go see this counselor. And uh, he's standing there and I can see that his eyes are all welling up. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, what's the matter? What's wrong? And, and he's like, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, Nick, like I was almost brushing him off. And, um, I said, you know what? I, I always knew that he, that he smoked pot. I always knew it. And I never, said anything to him because I didn't want to be a hypocrite. I'm going to tell him to stop smoking pot because I'm a fall down drunk by this time. And uh, I said, I think that you're depressed because I knew depression and I could see it in his eyes. Um, you're, you know what? I think the pot is making you even more depressed. I really think that you should stop smoking pot. And he just said, mom, 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 listen to me, look at me. And I said, what? And he said, I'm addicted to heroin and I can't get off. Wow. Wow. And I, I was so honestly, people say, you didn't know. I honestly, Sarah did not know. I had a vision of what I thought, uh, heroin addicts look like Mm -hmm. as well as what alcoholics look like. And it wasn't me and it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. And um, boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. Um, judgment that I would, you know, I judged people, you know, I, you know, I had this great job and, you know, driving this beautiful and my, you know, all my bills are paid and I'm going on these fancy, fancy schmancy, you know, vacations. And what a, what a fucking snob I was just a judgmental little asshole. <laughs> and I, I, and honestly, I own that shit. I own it. I, um, I, I just couldn't face my own, my own, my own stuff. So I would just say, no, you are, or you are. And you know, that saying when you're pointing a finger, three are pointing back at you, you know, um, that day, um, I did go to the counselor for my, for my marriage, <laughs> And my head was not in it. And how do you, what what do you think happened this day? This counselor happened to be an alcohol and drug counselor. He had just, just switched practices to being a family, a family counselor, but he was a drug and alcohol counselor. If that is not a gotcha. I don't know what is things when people say things don't happen for a reason. I, I strongly disagree. Um, so the whole, the whole, the whole session was talking about my son and he got me some information and, and, and I, my son went off to do his thing. And, uh, my husband, my second husband, um, threw in there that I was an alcoholic and I was like, 
wait, what? Like he never, never said it before. And I was like, well, that's, that's not what we're here for. <laughs> like, how dare you? Um, I knew, I knew. So with this thing that happened to Nick, um, this was my opportunity to um, do something about my own alcoholism. And I, it, it started out as, again, I'm going to be brutally honest here. I was going to look like the mother of the year. I'm going to do this for my son and everything's going to be so great. And everybody's going to think I'm such a great mother because I fucked up so bad. How did she not know that he was a heroin addict? I'm going to fix that. Always about me, Sarah. Always about me. Um, and I was in a meeting on for him um, and all this enabling stuff that I would do and and they were telling me you know what not to do and kind of like Al-Anon and so it was strongly suggested that I I tried Al-Anon and it was uh February 14th 2010 it was Valentine's Day and um I made the decision at that meeting for him that I was going to stop drinking um but before I was going to stop drinking I was going to do my last hurrah and I went home and I drank my ass off I mean my ass off I good lord girl response song (laughs) my brother still slurring still drunk from it asking him what how do I do this? What do I do? Do I have to call people? Like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. What is, what is this AA stuff? And he laughed and he just said, you know, it's, you go online and I'll send you the link. And there's AA meetings everywhere, every day, every town, just go. And I go, but I don't want anybody in my town to know that I'm a drunk. And he goes, honey, they already do. (laughs) (laughs) They might even, they might give you a parade. Like, you should just do this. So I really, I really thought that I would be able to walk into this room again, thinking about Los Angeles, gay people. I'll slide in, go up against a wall, just listen for the first time. Like I, I don't want to talk. And you know, in this little town of Thomaston, Connecticut, I walked into this room that had seven people in it. <laughs> There was nowhere to hide in such a small town. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. So did and you share in that first meeting? I'm like, well, where's the gay guys? Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, girl. So they asked me my name and I was like, I, I don't have to tell you that. Isn't this anonymous? Like, like I don't know. Well, how, how long are you sober for? And I'm like, oh. What time is it? Like my yeah. hands were so yeah. clammy and sweaty and I yeah. felt gross and just disgusting. And I, I had so many reservations, obviously I was nervous. I didn't know what to expect. And, and I just listened um, to some, uh, you know, to some of these people and they invited me back and I was like, okay. And so I didn't drink for a whole week. And I went back the following Wednesday, like, like this, but I got there and I made it like, I made it like, Oh, you're back. Good to see you. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was the, be- that was the beginning of it. And, um, you know, I- 
I just would show up every Wednesday, like I was told to, and they, you know, they, then they started throwing the whole, you know, you should get a sponsor and you should do this. And I'm like, whoa, 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 (laughs) back it up, Becky. (laughs) I'm not drinking. Just leave, please leave me alone. I, I just was, I was petrified. Sarah, I'm in such control of everything in my life. And for the first time, I realized that alcohol was taking that control away from me. So I need to control something. So I'm going to go to my one meeting a week. I'm not getting a sponsor. Thank you. Anyway, I'm not doing the steps. Thank you. But that's for you people. You don't know me. I'm different. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need any of this. I'm just not drinking, but I figured every Wednesday I would go, it would be a night out. (laughs) And when I would walk out of the room, I would go to the corner store and I would get myself a little pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. That was my, that was my, you know, I deserved it. That was my little treat for the week. And um, I was about four months sober and I had to go to Atlantic City to one of these conferences. And I'm like, oh shit, what do I do? And it's, it's going to be on a Wednesday when I'm supposed to be at my meeting. And uh, people are asking, the bartender remembered me from the year before, like knew what I drank. Like mm-hmm. that's that's some scary shit, girl. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not drinking. And, oh, are you sick? And, you know, and I didn't say it. I refused to tell anybody that I was, you know, because it was Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> so I just was, I'm just not drinking. And I was getting so nervous, so nervous. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Should I just have one? Oh, God. Oh, God. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And guess what? I looked over my shoulder and down in the lobby, there was all these little, all these little stands set up and there was a Ben and Jerry's stand. I got to cry because I was like, thank you. And that was my ticket to get out. I said, I'll I'll see you guys tomorrow. And I left and I got my scoop of Ben and Jerry's. And for the first time I called somebody in the room because I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe it. And I ended up getting a sponsor. I ended up doing the steps. <laughs> I, after that, I was just like, you know what? My life is getting better only if I allow it to. I'm fighting. What am I fighting? Why am I mm-hmm. fighting this so hard? It was the control. Mm-hmm. It was all about control. I wouldn't laugh at anything still. I didn't think anything was funny. They would invite me to these sober dances. And so and I'm like, oh my God, this is so lame. Like you guys are lame. I, oh, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. And what do they say? Like, you know, you just have to do something from a different perspective and open up your mind and give it a try. What I and I remember my sponsor saying to me, girl, you didn't come to the beach to drown in the sand. Mm-hmm. Like, get your head out of your ass. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to cry. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you tell me you're fine all the time when you're not fine? Mm-hmm. You know? And that's what I would say. I'm fine. I'm fine. I would never share. Never, ever, ever. I was still dying inside for the first year in sobriety because I refused refused to let anybody help me because that was a sign of weakness in my eyes. Mm -hmm. That was a sign of weakness. And I'm just going to do this by myself. And so what, 
So I was the driest of the dry drunks. <laughs> the driest of the dry drunks. How long did that work for you? <laughs> uh, I was miserable for a year and a year and some change. And until she like really had to this come to Jesus, like sit down with me, mm-hmm. we're going to do these steps. You've, you've got to try something different. If you want what you've never had, you have to do what you've never done. Right. What is it going to hurt to try to do something different? You know? Mm-hmm. And she would say to me, you can ask three people, ask three people, their advice on something. Let's just say hanging a curtain. You are going to get three people that are going to tell you to hang that curtain three different ways. Each one of them worked for that person. So that's why you're getting, you know, like I'd say, everybody says something different. (laughs) She goes, pick one, pick one. If that doesn't work, try something else, but you have to stick with it. And you've got to get out of yourself, get out of your head. You are not Mm -hmm. unique. (laughs) To, to my, I'm not. Oh, I was. I thought it was so special. Yeah, I know. We all do. We think we're yeah. like so different from everyone else that nobody, yeah. nobody will understand us. That's the way I felt. No. Yeah. So when, so when, um, so what is it like today? Like, how are things going? Today, it's so funny that you say that because today, this is when I, when I started my YouTube channel, I. I was getting, um, I don't want to say stale, but stagnant, you know, um, I wanted something more, uh, um, out of it. And I, the meetings were starting to slow down because we were going into the pandemic and I was like, oh boy, you know, all right. Well, you know what? I've already got 10 years. So I think I'm going to be all right. I think I'll be okay. Girl, I swear to God, I, I snapped right back into that first year of sobriety, snapping at everybody, the road rage, the, there was no connection. I knew I, I have a few girls that I do still, I, I talk to down, uh, down here in my, in my hometown. Mm-hmm. We, you know, but it would be sporadic. The, the loss of connection of even going to a meeting and listening to the same person say the same thing over and over apparently works for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need it. Mm-hmm. I need that connection. I need to hear what other people are going through. I need to know that I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. I, I always hear something different at every single meeting. And so I started, uh, I was chairing a woman's meeting at the time. So I just kind of brought it onto Zoom and we did that for a little while. And I was still feeling like, I don't know. Cause I could, still couldn't touch people, still couldn't see them. And so my daughter brought this, this thing to my attention. She's like, do you want to start like a podcast or something? I, I'm not joking when I say to you, I don't know what a, what a podcast was. I, I, I really don't. I go, what is that? <laughs> She's like, you talk to people and I go, for what? Like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand what, what you're saying. So we came up with this idea of, I need to see people. I need to see touch. Like I'm so touchy feely kind of a person. I said, no, I, I if we're going to do it, I want to do it so I can talk to somebody and see their face. And I want everybody else to be able to have the same experience. And she's like, you're so old, you know, <laughs> podcasts are the way to go. And I'm like, let's just try it. And so 
What I wanted to do was I wanted to talk to people that were in recovery, but I wanted to know what they did for fun. Mm -hmm. That's how I started this out. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to know what people do in their, okay, great. You're sober. You don't drink, you don't smoke. Okay. So what do you do? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I want to know my son was into karate. Like I wanted, you know, if you're doing yoga, like I wanted to make this a fun, a fun kind of thing, not a doom and gloomy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So my daughter was like, all right, let's, let's just try it. And so she asked me to do this, this thing. And I'm like, trying to read a script and I'm like, trying to be like, perfect, mm-hmm. perfect. As I always am a people pleasing perfectionist, like, and I finally just kind of like stopped looking at it and just started talking. And I'm just like, you know what? I, I, I don't think I want to do that. I think I want to, I, I need to talk to people. I want to talk to people. I want to know what recovery, what people do in recovery. I want to be in the rooms outside of the rooms. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Let's just try this. So I asked a few people and, you know, and they started, you know, and a few people said yes. And a few people said no. Um, because of um, the anonymity and some of the traditions. And I started to feel bad about myself again. And I'm saying to myself, I feel like once I start talking about it, I feel so much better. So I'm not going to break anybody else's anonymity. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I saw, you know, Susie Q at, at a 12 step meeting. I'm not, I, that's not what this is about. I honestly, even Instagram, I, I'm going to be 60 for crying out loud, Sarah, <laughs> I'm a 58 year old woman. I do. I, I don't know anything about this stuff. And everybody kept telling me Instagram, Instagram has this great recovery community. And I'm like, I thought it was just like pictures mm-hmm. of like your desserts or something. I don't know. I don't know what I thought it was, but I did not think it was what it is. And my recovery looks so different two years later. It's ridiculous. The louder I talk, the more I shout it out, um, the more feedback I get. I get people um, messaging me, asking me if I know anybody in Scotland. And, I, and I'll put something up and say, I'm, I'm looking for somebody in Scotland. And I get like... In within 15 minutes, I'm right outside of that town. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm right there. Here's some resources for your friend. Like within 15 minutes, it's amazing, amazing. I met you. Mm -hmm. I met you, Mm -hmm. and I don't feel bad about recovering out loud. I do not. I, I, in fact, I, I haven't been to a physical AA meeting in a really long time. And it's not because I think that I'm better than anybody else or not better than anybody else. It just at this moment in my, in my sobriety, um, I'm doing zoom meetings still. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not going to, uh, the meetings that I'm used to around here in my area, uh, a lot of them are, uh, old timers and, old timers do not want to hear anything other than alcohol related stuff. And it breaks my heart Mm -hmm. because times have changed. Mm -hmm. Times have changed and alcohol, uh, for me, I, 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 
did it after starting to do drugs. And I'm not allowed to say that I did cocaine in certain meetings. And it's like, oh God, I'm sorry, forgot, I forgot. Mm. Um, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And um, I was sharing this with somebody um, not too long ago. You know, w- there's this one particular person that he just gets in and, and, and bless his heart because he's been sober for 42 years. Bless his heart. And this is what keeps him sober, okay? But I want somebody to just go up to him and just tell a story, any story. Don't say that it was drugs. Don't say it was alcohol. Don't say it was sex. Don't say it was gambling. Just tell a story of what your life was like and what your life is like now being in recovery without using any substance. He would not know the difference. He would not know the difference. And I think that's And I say this because this was me. I could not see anything else other than, oh, you don't go, you don't do AA. Oh, good luck. Like this was me being that person. Like if you don't do it this way, that way, or the other way, you're not going to get sober. How dare I, Sarah? How dare I? Yeah. Just wanting to be open in. I learn from people. I've done a few interviews where they have not done a rehab, a 12-step program, nothing. And they've got great sobriety. The key that I find in everybody's is the connections. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Connections. Yes. You know, uh, podcasts, just being with other sober people, Mm -hmm. uh, just... I read a lot. I meditate. Oh, you know, I don't, every book I pick up does not have to do with recovery. I'm not fucking boring people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just like to expand my, you know, my, my thinking. So yeah. I do a lot. I do read a lot of self-help stuff. Um, I'm, I'm doing this program now of, to be a pastoral counselor. And it's for, for me to be able to listen better. Because I, t- yeah, I've been told I talk too much. <laughs> I just love it. I'm really And so now I, Pandora's box has been opened. Can't shut me up about this shit now. I love it. I'm the same way though. I and that's I joke about like that's why I started the podcast so I would stop, like shut my mouth and and listen. But you know. There's something about like, I love how you brought up connection like that is so important like every single day. And like if I'm not in um, an actual meeting, I do need to connect with another alcoholic I do need to, I, I need to not forget where I came from. And that is uh, that that's something that's essential um one of the many things that i do in my program of recovery um, because if i'm not doing that and among other things then my relationships suffer my relationship with myself my relationship with my family and so that so so as we kind of wrap things up here lori i wanted to ask um what what have you found to be like the greatest difference what um between how life is for you today with your family, with like your children and your husband and friends compared to what it was like when you were in active addiction, like nearing the end of your, your um, drinking my journey. Rela- my relationships today are 
amazing. Um, the friendships and uh, the relationships I had in active addiction, I don't have anymore. I, I don't, I just don't. Um, and not for anything other than, you know, it just didn't serve me anymore. I, I, I'm, I try to stay away from drama today. I was the biggest drama queen. I have a crown. <laughs> I have a crown. Mm -hmm. Anytime I'm around somebody that is so like, oh, I, I get, it brings me back. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's not that I don't want to hear it. I want, I want to listen to what you have to say, but I want to hear that there's a solution. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, that, that's why I love people in recovery so much because it's like, geez, you know what? I'm having a really bad day, but I know if I do this, or I know it could be worse, or I know that I, there is a place to go. There's a solution. Mm -hmm. I'm living in the solution and not the problem anymore. Mm -hmm. So the relationships that I had with my children that were non-existent in my addiction are thriving. Um, my son, I'm, I'm very happy to say, is no longer a heroin addict. Um, he's got five years clean. He had stumbles along the way and he's doing so great and he's doing his, uh, he's back into his martial arts and I'm just so happy for him doing what he needs to do for his own sobriety. I step aside. And my daughter is not an addict or an alcoholic. Um, bless her heart. But we work on this Laura's World thing together. And she oh. has learned so much. And so she gets choked up when she'll call me and she'll say, oh my God, that part where Sarah said, blah, blah, blah. She, and she because she's learning. She didn't know either. She didn't understand. She couldn't yeah. understand what was going on and she did not want a relationship with me. And I, and yeah. I couldn't blame her. Yeah. And when I, I was able to make my amends with her, um, she was like, Oh my God, I didn't even think you realized what you did. And I go, I did. I just, what could I, I how could I apologize? I can't change the past. Mm -hmm. but I, I, I'm very aware of what I did. I take full responsibility for everything that I did and I want to move forward. And, and we have over the past 12 years and it's been, it's been wonderful. My mom, my mom, oh my God, bless my mom's heart. She's <laughs> put, up, put up with us kids. She's a saint. She's a saint. Um, she was, a, she just wants us all to be happy. So my relationship has not changed with her. Um, it's gotten better, obviously, cause I'm spending, yeah. I spend more time with her. Yeah. Um, I, I don't make excuses not to go over the house. Uh, I don't feel too good, mom. You know, so I, we have a standing date every week and oh. my, my life is just so much better. I work in, um, uh, in a healthcare profession now making, you know, like 18 bucks an hour, but I love it. I love it. I love what I do. It's still helping. I'm helping people. Um, I don't need the big fancy house in the car. And I married again for the third time. <laughs> He's also in recovery. Oh. He is the love of my life. He just, he gets me. He mm -hmm. gets me. So what if I snap at something? He's like, when's the last time you were in a meeting, girl? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, oh. but yeah, my relationships today, I have true friends and people that I have not even met such as yourself. Yeah. When I tell you, love you, I mean that with mm -hmm. every ounce of my being, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I know your heart. I know we have different stories, but I know that 
feeling of doom and gloom and depression and not feeling good enough or, you know, and uh, you, you talked to me, I was, I was sitting on the highway stuck in, in, in traffic for four and a half hours because oh, of an yeah. ice storm. And you were just sending me beautiful text messages. You know, are, do you have enough gas? Are you, I, good? So I, I was so concerned. I'm like, Oh, I can listen to some podcast. I go, girl, you better get some sleep. You were like, Oh no, that was from two days ago. I'm like, Oh, sorry. I catch you. So, <laughs> People, I was, I pictured you on, for some reason, I pictured you on this specific bridge that because because Lori and I don't yeah like we don't live too far away from each other like relative to a lot of the people we know in our kind of cyber world fellowship you know and so I was picturing her like in this frigid snow covered wet on that bridge and I'm like oh my god she's gotta like be blown off into the river yeah yeah so for the first time in my life I sat on the on this bridge I watched the come up on route eight in water connecticut on the highway because i couldn't go anywhere it was beautiful i sent out all of my good mornings and just for today's and god bless you i listened to some podcasts if this was 12 years ago i don't i saw people getting out of their car falling because it was icy screaming at each other yelling at a cop yelling at some guy that i'm like I would have been that person like what what the fuck are you doing where are we going right we can't go anywhere right so I turned off the car and sat it out yeah (laughs) it's and it's so much more comfortable living it's so much more comfortable living that way when we just kind of when we're like when we accept that you know the the world is this you know, stage and the way things that happen, things happen in this world for a reason, how are we going to respond to it? You know, and we can either flip out or we can just roll with it and be like, okay, you know, this is, this is happening and what can I do? Um, And so our coping skills really improve. And, and I love, and I love, I have to go back to how like we, we are connected and there's like that instant connection with people in recovery because we know where we've come from and we can identify and, and we see each other working to say to stay sober one day at a time um and it's really not that hard it's re- like it's really not that hard i mean yeah there are hard days but but together when we're together we can celebrate and we can have fun together the fact that we're sober and we can live in the solution we can let each other know oh that you know that this person is struggling and they're, they want um, some names and numbers and, you know, over social media, we can like let people know about it. And so we're constantly living in the solution to our own addiction by helping other people. Like that's what keeps us sober. And, and, and to be able to do the podcast, the YouTube channel, I kind of feel like it's service work. It's kind of like a ministry. Yeah. It's a great, I, I really do. I feel the same way. And I feel like I'm, I'm in a meeting, you know, that one-on-one yeah. and what was it like for you? And, oh my God, me too. You yeah. know, yeah. I love, I, I just love that. I love that. And, um, I, I, I just, I don't know how long I'm going to do it for. I don't, I never have a script. I don't do anything. Like I don't find out anything about uh, too much about anybody, a little bit of a background maybe, but not too much because I want to hear, their story when they're when they're telling it and mm-hmm. um, for the first time like everybody else and it's like it just warms my heart um that people are willing to do that to help 
the next person, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'll get a message and say, you know, I, you know, I, you have no idea how much that helped me, Mm -hmm. or, you know, you're doing, you know, you're doing great work. And that's wonderful to hear that, you know, again, that little ego puffing, you know, a little pat on the back. Oh, yeah, I'm doing something great. But I honestly, honestly, just don't do it for that anymore. I, I, you, I, I'm like, I did. I used to like, you know, oh, okay, getting enough views. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing. I, it just, it is what it is. It is and what it is. And your art flows from my heart. It's just better. Yeah. It's just better for me. It's better for me. Oh, and awesome. I love, and I love talking. I love talking to people. I do. Yeah. And you are a good listener because you have all these people who come on, who want to do service work themselves and you're offering them that platform to mm-hmm. share their experiences so that they can help other people so that they can remember yeah. how, yeah. Um, where they came from. And we can't, for, we can't forget we, and when we forget where we've come from and how bad it was, um, that, and <laughs> holding on to resentments, like that's going to kill us, right? Oh, oh, that will, yeah, that will kill yeah, us. Yeah. The, those of yeah. us who are, um, who identify yeah. as yeah. alcoholics with the disease yeah. of alcoholism. So I am so grateful that, oh, that you came today oh, and you. that you came here and did service and your story is incredible. And I just have to reiterate that it doesn't matter when you started. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I mean, Lori started at 33, really. And she stopped. What? How old were you when you stopped? 45. 45, <laughs> so, yeah. So I had 12 years, and now I'm going to have 12 years drinking. Now I'm going to be sober 12 years. 12 and 12. Ooh, yeah. That's not a sign. Ooh. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> oh, that's so great. And, yeah. and <clears throat> so, like anyone out there who's, you know, a more seasoned, you know, the you know, the more seasoned women, woman or man, um, the, the long timers, I don't say old timers. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't like, <laughs> so, well, thank you so much again, Lori. And I, I hope you have a wonderful evening and a long weekend. Do you have Monday off too? I do. I do. I worked, I worked a lot of hours this week and I have the rest of the weekend off and Monday. So I don't have to be back until Tuesday. So this was lovely to end my work week. Now I could really relax because I was like a little, I was, I was like this when I came home because it's been a long, and when you said, are you sure you want to do it? Are you tired? And I'm like, no, this is exactly what I need to be doing. And I know that, I know that even if we didn't record it, even if I just saw your face and we just Mm -hmm. had a conversation, Mm -hmm. this is what I need Mm -hmm. um, to get, to get through Mm -hmm. knowing that there's other people out there that are just, just crazy as me. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy, fun, crazy, nice. Yeah. Okay. So yes. So everyone do this. We do do this. We do. We do recover and we, and we're still sober today and we're still connected. And I want to make sure that everyone knows where to find Lori on YouTube. It's Lore's world. It's not Lori's world, but Lore's world. And she, it's just an incredible show. So many great interviews. You're a great interviewer, by the way. So uh, at, 
really, if you have a long weekend coming up, I know like Monday in the United States, it's Martin Luther King Day. Some people have off. If you're gonna have a long weekend, go to her YouTube channel, listen to the, the stories. They're amazing. She's also on Instagram. It's Laura's World of Recovery. Is that what it is? Um, it's at Laura's World of Sobriety. Of sobriety. Okay. I was going to change the name of the YouTube channel, but I decided not to. So it's just, yeah. Laura's World yeah. of Sobriety. Yeah, Welcome no. to Laura's World. I've always lived in my own little world. So <laughs> come on with me now. <laughs> and you can just, come with me now. Yeah. I am not alone. <laughs> oh, I love you so much. Thanks I so much. I love you so much, honey. You take care and thank you for allowing me to do this. This was a this was so much fun. And I just love you. And you're so easy to talk to. And um, thank you for doing my show as well. You're great. Oh. Well, and I'll talk to you. I'll be texting you tomorrow morning. So. Okay, great. Have a great night, honey. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Sober Gratitudes is a podcast dedicated to spreading the hope in recovery from addiction. It is an inclusive show that does not promote or represent any recovery program. When my guests and I discuss what keeps us sober, We are referring to our own unique experiences. Our goal is to encourage and give hope to those who are struggling and need support.